God, would you just, God, we love you. Would you just be here in this place this morning? God, I think you, you know I, I'm just feeling tight this morning. God, would you just loosen me up a little bit? Would the words that come out of my mouth not be my words, but they be your words for your people on your day? God, I just, I, I want so badly for us to hear from you today. God, I just pray that this, as we come and we open up this Advent series and we look into your son who was born the king, would we just have a time of reflection, a time of just, just knowing who you are and celebrating the reason that you came? God, would you meet with us this morning? Speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are uh, starting our Advent series this week. Uh, It is the season of Advent, uh, and actually I forgot to mention during announcements, but we have um, some devotions for you uh, to help you through this Advent series as well, what I'm preaching through uh, and all that kind of stuff. So we have uh, an Advent devotional for our kids called Born the King, just like we're talking about. Uh, If you want to take one for your family and just read through the story, uh, there's this uh, basically one reading a day uh, as you come and and you read with your your kids, teach them about Advent, teach them about uh, Jesus, the reason that he came. And then we have our adult version as well. Uh, There's a bunch out there for you to take. Uh, You can take one for your family and one for each of you, depending on how how you do. Uh, if you're one that marks your devotionals and all that, maybe grab two for, for whoever else. So, uh, but uh, it's such a good way just to kind of dive into the series, dive into the devotion, dive into just the season and just make sure we are, are focused on why it is that we celebrate Advent. And so if you want to take one of those today, you're more than welcome to. Uh, if you can, there's just a kind of a $5 donation that would be helpful for us just to help pay for the books. But if you can't, don't worry about it. Just take a book uh, and... Uh, yeah. But anyways, Advent. Uh, Advent really means coming. We just celebrate the coming of Jesus. Uh, we celebrate him coming to earth. We celebrate, uh, you know, we read the story in Luke chapter 2. We read the stories in, uh, of the birth of Jesus. This is what really what we celebrate here uh, during the season of Advent. We celebrate the coming of Jesus. It's kind of a season of expectation as we remember the coming, but it's also a season of hope. This morning we lit the hope candle, this candle right up here, the candle of hope and promise. We, we like that because not only is it a season where we remember the coming of Jesus, it's a season where we look forward to another coming of Jesus, to the second coming of Jesus. We look forward, we look back. Uh, and that last song actually is perfect for this morning. We look back, we look forward. Uh, this, is, this is kind of a season of expectation, a season of, of looking forward to the coming of Jesus. But it can be a very confusing season as well. Because we look at Advent and we read the story and we read about the the humility and the poverty that Jesus was born into and then we walk out these doors and we turn on the radio, we turn on the TV and it's all about uh, this and that and buy this and buy that. It's all about the the glamour of the season. Our culture is all about indulgence. But we read about the humility and poverty in the stable. We read about a star in Bethlehem, the single star up in the sky and then we walk out the doors and we're surrounded by, by, by bright flashing lights during this season. There's, there's just a lot that can pull our attention from the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. And I'm not saying this morning that any of that is bad. I don't think any of that is bad. But I think if we lose focus of really what Christmas is all about, then it's not right. 
So this whole Advent series is really about just reminding ourselves and and just making sure that you and I don't miss the point of Christmas. We don't miss the point of the reason that we celebrate. And Advent is the reminder that we all need every Christmas. We do this every Christmas. It's not just our church. This is something that Christians around the world are celebrating today, the first season of Advent. And we just refocus ourselves on the, you know, the cliche statement, the reason for the season. We refocus ourselves on why we come to worship. But, you know, it's not just about the, the baby in the manger, the It's not about the circumstances that surrounded that whole thing. It really is, this whole season is about this question. Who is this baby lying in a manger? Why did he have to come? This whole series, we're partnering with all the Nazarene churches in, in the world doing Advent this season, talking about how Jesus was born the King. Why, who is this Jesus? Who is this, this baby that we find in the manger? I mean, this, how amazing is it that God would become a baby in a manger, a crying, screaming, bedwetting baby that needed to be changed and fed and all of that. This baby sent by God is, is born the king. What makes Jesus the king? Why did Jesus have to come? And so that's what we're going to kind of unpack this morning and, and over the next four weeks. We're going to kind of unpack why Jesus had to come. What, why is Jesus? Why can we say with confidence that this Jesus, this baby that we find in the manger, was born the king? How can we, how can we say that and not just sound totally ridiculous every year? And it's part of a Christmas carol. Born is the king of Israel. Noel, Noel. Born is the king of Israel. What, what in the world are we talking about? Who is this this Jesus that we find born in a manger. Now the answer to that question, that really even just that question itself, is a huge question. It's a question people have been asking for a long time. It's really a historic kind of question. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus, is this baby in the manger? Is this baby God? Is this baby human? Is it half and half? <laughs> is, it just, is it a mixture? Who, who is this Jesus? And not even, it, this is a question that's kind of even we've wrestled with in the church. We've had sections of the church say that baby in the manger is 100% God and 0% human. We've had sections in the church say that baby is 100% human and 0% God. We've had this, we've wrestled with this over the history of the church from the very early days of the church. Even Marcion in like 100, 100 AD is talking about you know, how do we deal with this? How do, how do we deal with the, the divinity of Jesus? How do we deal with any of this? It's a historic question. And actually, this is really the historic divide between Judaism and Christianity is who is this baby in a manger? Is Jesus the Messiah or is he not? This is a very historic question that we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. Not only is it a historic question, I believe it's a really important question. Because here's, here's the deal. If Jesus is God, then everything that we read about in the New Testament begins to make sense. If this baby born in the manger 2,000 some odd years ago is God, is Jesus, is the Messiah, then the stories that we read about, of course, Jesus would be able to feed the 5,000 in that day. He made the fish and the loaves. Of course, Jesus would be able to, to walk on water. 
He made the water. Even down to the resurrection. Now, if if the answer to the question is this baby in the manger, the is this baby in the manger God? Is he Messiah? If the answer is yes, then even the resurrection makes sense. In fact, the question surrounding resurrection flips entirely because no longer is the surprising part about the resurrection that Jesus raised from the dead. The surprising part about the whole thing is that he died in the first place. Because if Jesus is God, then how does this happen? This is a very important question that we're tackling over the next four weeks. This, this whole idea of just the divinity of Jesus. Is this baby in the manger truly God? C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this about the divinity of Christ. So the doctrine of the divinity of Christ seems to me not something stuck on which you can unstuck, but something that peeks out at every point so that you'd have to unravel the whole web to get rid of it. This is a foundation for us as believers. We believe that this Jesus, born in a manger, is God. Is God. We'll talk more about his divinity and his humanity over the course of this series. But we believe that. It's, a, it's a, an important question, and it's an awesome question. And I don't mean in like a, oh, that's a great question, bro. Like, no. It's an awesome question, meaning that even just asking this question should just kind of put us in awe of who God is. That he would even come in the first place, first of all, but that he would come as a baby in a manger. And just think about, just think about this. It should put us in awe. But it's also, not only is it just a, a historic, important question, this is a very personal question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is a question that you need to answer. This is a question that that is really up to you to answer. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be unpacking this question. We're going to be unpacking who is this baby in the manger? Why? How can we say with confidence that Jesus was born the king? What does scripture say about who Jesus is? You know, a few, probably six months ago now, we were talking through uh, more than a feeling, talking about what we believe about Jesus. And that, and that, uh, and that sermon went, and we looked at Philippians chapter 2. Uh, and so we're going to go back there to Philippians chapter 2, this Advent, and we're just going to spend four weeks uh, in Philippians chapter 2, because I believe in Philippians chapter 2, we find one of the most incredible passages about who Jesus is, about who this baby in a manger is. Who, who, is this, who is this baby? Who is this Jesus that was born 2,000 some odd years ago? It's an incredible, one of the greatest pictures of the Christmas stories in Scripture. But it's not going to be our typical Christmas story, right? You're not going to hear me over the next four weeks uh, talking about shepherds or wise men or a star or uh, Herod or, or Mary and Joseph necessarily. We're not going to talk about a lot of that stuff. I really want to focus this Advent season on the manger, on this baby in the manger who we now know as Jesus, who is born the king. How can we have confidence that Jesus is who, we, who he says he is? How can we have confidence that Jesus is born the king? And so this morning, I, I want to I read through this. It's in, the, it's in sorry, uh, Philippians chapter 2. 
uh, we're gonna, our kind of focus passage for all of Advent is going to be verse 5 through 11. So let me just go ahead and read through this, and then we will begin to unpack. Sorry, before I get there, a <laughs> little context for you. Philippians 2, this is Paul writing to a church in Philippi. And Paul, in this moment, is calling this church in Philippi to imitate Jesus, to be like Jesus. And then he goes on to explain kind of the the mindset that Jesus had. Who was Jesus? Paul begins to just kind of break this down for the church in Philippi, starting at verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This right here is just a a really genuine, in-depth picture in in six verses, much in-depth as you can get in six verses, of who Jesus is, who this baby in the manger is. And today we're just going to focus on on just this verse 6, and we'll break it down over the next four weeks as well, but verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. A lot of translations say something to be grasped. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he, this, who being in very nature God, just that one phrase right there sets Jesus apart from anyone else in all of history. Jesus, this baby in a manger, in his very nature was God. In his very nature, God. This is not a normal guy. This is, this is not just a, your normal baby that was randomly born. This is not just anybody. This is Jesus, who in his very nature is God. Now, what does it mean for Jesus to be God in the flesh? I think there's some other passages in Scripture that kind of help us break this down a little bit. What does it mean for this baby Jesus to be God in the flesh? One of the passages I want to look at is in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 teaches us a lot about, about Jesus and his divinity. Uh, in fact, we're going to read uh, John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. We're going to go to verse uh, 18. If you want to join me there, uh, it's on page 911 in your pew Bibles. Uh, in your own Bible, I don't know what page that is, but uh, it's, yeah, it's there, trust me. Uh, so uh, anyways, John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, talking about John. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but the born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, one word that you didn't read in there with me is Jesus. (laughs) Now, we're talking about Jesus, right? So what are you talking about, Pastor? Because I didn't see the word Jesus in there. Actually, it is in there a a little bit later. Uh, But at the beginning there, it's not really clear that we're talking about Jesus, right? He's talking about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How do, how do we know we're talking about Jesus here? Well, we go down to verse 14. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John makes it really clear here that the Word that he is talking about is Jesus. Now, so we reread this. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now we read here that Jesus, as even at the bottom here in verse 18, the one and only Son who is himself God. All right, we're reinforced here what Philippians said. He is in very nature God. Here John says that he is himself God. Right, we hear that Jesus is God. Jesus is the word of God. What does it mean that Jesus is, is the word of God? Uh, why, why the word? Why, why that phrase? What is the importance of that phrase? Why would John say that Jesus is the word? Now, there's some parallels here. Maybe, maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. The first three words of John chapter 1, in the beginning. Where else do you see those words? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did God create the heavens and the earth? God spoke, and it came to be. Everything that was made, that has been made, That's John 1 right there, but this is Jesus. You see here, Jesus at the very beginning of all things. Jesus, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he did so through his word. His word just represents the power and the might of God, just the the creating power of God. He spoke, and it came to be. We see his word being a representation of of God. This is how God is, is, is making himself known. God is making himself known through his word. And in John chapter 1, we see that his word is Jesus. It's important that we see that Jesus as the word. Yeah, we see this alluded to in the Old Testament and some other places. In Psalm 107, 20, it says he sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. 
Uh, we see the word here not only as just this, this creating power that God uses, but also a healing power, a rescuing power. If you go back to our last series in the book of Ruth, a redeeming kind of power. This is the Jesus that we find in the manger. This Jesus is the word of God. This Jesus is God. God moves in the world through his word. He reveals himself through his word. Jesus, as Jesus is born, is the revelation of God. He's born in a manger. (laughs) This baby in a manger as the word of God is an expression, is a self-expression of God. It's a revelation of God. God in the flesh. This baby in the manger is the word of God. Not only is he the word of God, verse 4 uses another image, another metaphor for him. In In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The book of John talks a lot about life and light. He's saying that Jesus is life. Jesus is light. So not only is Jesus the word of God, Jesus really, and we see this from Genesis 1, we see this from John 1, Jesus is the author of life. He is the author of life. Now you go back to, uh, actually, you're going to move a little bit forward from Colossians, go to the book, of, or from Philippians, go to Colossians with me. Colossians chapter 1 kind of speaks into this aspect of Jesus as well. Here's what it says in Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Or he's the, the revelation of God, the expression of God, self-expression of God. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. We're talking about Jesus here in this passage. Jesus as the one who holds all things together. He holds it all together. Now picture this with me. What do we have in the Christmas story? We have a baby in a manger. Now, how does this work? We have the author of life, the one who in him all things hold together. We find him in the book of Matthew, in the book of Luke, in a manger. We find the author of life, the the one who sustains all things, in a place where now he's dependent on the creation that he made. Just think about that. Let's just wrestle with that for a little bit. This is, this is where we find God. This is, this is the move that God chose to make in order to redeem the world. Made himself subject to human laws, human rules. Made himself a baby. Can you imagine this? We're going to talk about this next week a little bit more. But just, just wrestle with that for a little bit. This, this Jesus, this baby in the manger, is the author of life. He is the word of God. He's the author of life. Let's go back to John 1 and see some other things here. In verse 6, We see, we get introduced to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. See, we see that in, for, for John, he's not just the, the word of God or the author of life. We see that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light. There's the world that is dark with pain, that is dark with uh, strife, that is dark with envy, that is dark with all of these different things. In the book of Isaiah, we read about how dark the world that Jesus came into was. But Jesus came in as the light of the world. And I don't know if you know this secret of life yet. I'm sure you do. But whenever light gets introduced into a dark place, darkness has to flee. Darkness never overcomes light. You can shine light into the darkest corners of the world, and it will be light. And Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus has overcome the darkness, the true light. Verse 9 of John 1, the true light that gives light to everyone in the world was coming into the world. We see that this Jesus was not just here for just some of us. He was here for the world. He was giving light to the whole world. This baby in the manger was here to give light to the world, even in our darkest times, even in the dark times that we have, times of of pain and times of, of darkness in our life. Jesus is the light. So this this Jesus that we see, just just picture a manger here, just Jesus, this baby lying in a manger, is the word of God. He is the author and sustainer of life. He is the light of the world. Verse 14 mentions that he is, or just makes clear, he is also the hope of glory. Verse 14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I want you to just circle that word dwelling there. That word dwelling is, is literally like, Tabernacle, temple. Now, what does that represent in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, we see this, the tabernacle, the temple. We see the place where God dwells. is the place where the people of God can come and experience the presence of God. They can come and experience who God is. They can experience a touch from God. They can experience God in that place. They would come and experience and encounter the glory of God. And here's John in this chapter saying, this Jesus, you used to go to a temple to experience the glory of God. Now we have Jesus. This word, he became flesh. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. It's the same word. It's the same word as the Old Testament word for tabernacle. This is what John is saying here. He made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus comes as God in the flesh to make the glory of God known. Jesus comes as the hope of glory. We have seen his glory. And this is the Jesus that we find in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Something to be used for his own advantage. 
I hope we don't miss this, this Advent season. We'll keep moving on this passage over the next few weeks. But I want you to just grasp this this morning. Just hear this. If you're nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. This baby in a manger that we celebrate on Christmas morning is God. He's God. This verse in Philippians makes this clear. John 1 makes it clear. Colossians 1 makes it clear. There are other places in Scripture that make it clear that Jesus is God. With that, there's a lot that comes with it. But here's my, here's my hope for you this week. I hope somewhere in your home there's a nativity set somewhere. <laughs> if not, I want you to get one or make one. And I want you to just Put it in a place where you can see it. And every time you look at it, I want you to just look at the baby in the manger and just remind yourself, this baby is God. This baby is God. And from this foundation, we can can begin to already see how we can say with confidence that Jesus was born the king. Jesus was God. Over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack a little more of what this means. This, what is it, who is this baby in a manger? Uh, we, we read in, in Philippians chapter 2 that not only was he God, but he was, he was human. He humbled himself even to be obedient, even to death on a cross. Not only has he humbled himself, he's, he's exalted. That the name of, of Jesus, every, every knee should bow, every tongue confess. We see that Jesus, this baby in the manger, is Lord. And this is, this is who we celebrate this Advent. So I want you to do that. I want you to just, just if you don't have a, a nativity set in your home, build one, make one. Take a picture of one on your phone, make it your home, make it your screensaver, I don't know. <laughs> but when you look at it, just know and remind yourself, this Jesus, this baby in the manger, this Jesus is God. He is more than that as well. We'll talk about that over the next few weeks. Let's pray. God, we love you and we give you praise. God, this morning we we celebrate your son. And over this series, God, will you just teach us and remind us that this Jesus that we find in the manger, this Jesus that we find in our homes and our activity sets, God, this, this baby Jesus that was born, that we just come to the realization, come just be reminded every single day that this Jesus that we come to celebrate is God. God, would that shape the way that we live this month would it sh- and, and beyond, but especially this month, would it shape our mindsets this Advent to know that really we come to celebrate you? God, will we come to understand and know the gift of your son and all that it means for us over the next three weeks? God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?
If you uh, are new or maybe it's been a while, uh, we end every service the same way. We, I ask you to just hold your hands out just like this and just receive a blessing uh, from God this morning. Let me just pray this. Our God, may our God go with you and go ahead of you this week. May he give you courage and boldness. May he remind you that this baby in the manger is him and that he came for you. Would that be the thought that just pushes you and drives you to make a difference in your community this Advent? May you go in the grace and peace of God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming this morning.